Welcome to the Living the Dream podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. Today, I am joined by the president and founder of the American Small Business League, Lloyd Chapman. Lloyd has battled for over 30 years to expose the rampant fraud and abuse of the federal government's small business contracting program. He is the nation's most vocal opponent of the federal government's policy, including fabricating the 23% small business contracting goal. So we're going to be talking to him about what that is and what his organization does. So Lloyd, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, it's an honor to be on your show. Thank you very much. Well, why don't you start off by giving everybody a little bit of background about yourself, telling people who you are. Well, my name is Lloyd Chapman, and I'm the president and founder of the American Small Business League. I founded that group about 20 years ago to help uh, support the largest economic stimulus program for the American people, which is the Small Business Act. And that law mandates that a minimum of 23% of all federal contracts go to small businesses. I started suing the government to expose fraud in those programs about 33 years ago. And uh, I've been doing it ever since. It's been quite interesting. Well, what is the difference between the American Small Business League and the Small Business Association, the SBA? It's kind of like saying, what's the difference between the Marines and the Taliban? <laughs> the, uh, here, here's something that most people don't know. I'll, I'll kind of repeat that. The largest economic stimulus program ever passed by Congress for the American people is the Small Business Act. And the Small Business Administration is supposed to uh, monitor that. But the SBA is a federal agency. Oh, I don't want to get too political, but I, I believe that large corporations have a great deal of power in directing our government. And so for about 30 years, the Small Business Administration has actually not been what people think they are. They're not there to help small businesses. As a, as a federal agency, they're there to help the federal government and whoever the president is. So for you know three decades, the Small Business Administration has really been a major opponent uh, for small businesses that are trying to participate in these federal small business contracting programs. I remember in one lawsuit, I was uh, under the Freedom of Information Act, I asked the SBA um, to give me the names of all the firms that they claim received small business contracts for that particular year. They wouldn't give it to me. I sued them and I won. And uh, during the litigation, the SBA claimed not to have any information on who received federal contracts. So when I won the case, Judge Marilyn Patel out of the um, San Francisco uh, uh, federal court said it was curious. The SBA claims not to have the very information they would need to carry out their mission. And another recent case I won, a federal judge accused them of suppressing evidence and covering up evidence. So the SBA is really contrary to most people's uh, uh, opinion, not a pro small business organization. The, the American small business league is, but uh, that's, us, that's the main difference. And, and tell us how so. I guess in 2001, early 2001, a young lady that uh, was working with lost a small business set-aside contract. And that's a contract that is only supposed to be bid out to small businesses. 
And she worked on it for several weeks and lost it to a company in Amsterdam with 26,000 employees around the world in 28 countries. And again, under federal law, that contract was only supposed to be given to small businesses. So I thought that was kind of crazy. So I went to the Small Business Administration's database of small businesses at that time, which was called ProNet. And I found pretty much every Fortune 500 firm in the country in there, a lot of uh, overseas corporations. And um, I called everybody in Washington. I called the FBI and I called everybody. And finally, the Government Accountability Office uh, called me back. I gave them all the information I compiled and they lost an investigation. And they found that the SBA had over 5,300 Fortune 1000 firms in their database of small businesses. And there was a congressional investigation I testified for Congress. And it came out that they were knowingly uh, diverting these funds that were supposed to go to small businesses and minority-owned small businesses and woman-owned small businesses to some of the biggest companies in the world. And that came out in 2001. This next question is a two-part question. The first part is, I think I saw that you had over one over 110 Freedom of Information Acts against the government. So tell us about the successes. I know you talked a little bit about it that you've had against them. And also tell us about if you've had any repercussions or backlashes for exposing them for what they've been doing. All right. Well, my attorneys tell me that I've won more Freedom of Information Act legal battles against the government than anyone in history. I won 110. And over 33 years, my win ratio was 98.5%. And I think that's also a record. And it's exposed hundreds and hundreds of billions in fraud in federal small business programs. It's exposed how the federal government has um, fabricated compliance with the uh, 23% small business goal that's mandated by the Small Business Act and it exposed lots of fraud at the Pentagon and with some of the nation's largest uh, prime contractors. I've also uh, stopped efforts out there to close the SBA. So here's a statistic that might shock people. 99% of all the companies in America have less than 500 employees. So only 1% have uh, one, uh, excuse me, over 500 employees. And according to the U.S. Census Bureau data, those companies with less than 500 employees are responsible for just about 100% of all the net new jobs, half the gross domestic product, half the private sector workforce, and the majority of U.S. exports. So those companies with, I think there's about 30, 33, 34 million companies in that category across the country, and that's where most Americans work. And today uh, in government, 97% of all federal spending goes to that 1% that, uh, according to the Census Bureau, haven't created one net new job since 1980, and many of them pay no taxes. So you can just Google Fortune 500 firms you know, not paying taxes and see all the stories out there about that. So that's, I think that's, that's appalling, and, and nobody knows about that. And I've, I've been able to expose that. And in terms of the repercussions, it's like something out of a science fiction movie, <laughs> right? You can imagine what the federal government does when you go into court for 33 years and expose all this fraud and abuse. Yeah, the things they've done is just uh, astounding. I call it the Iron Dome. So in 2013, I used to uh, eat granola for breakfast and I'd sit there at the kitchen table and I would Google my name because people write stories about me and not even talk to me. And I thought that was really interesting. So 
almost every day there'd be some stories about me, you know, out there. And uh, if I Googled my name, there'd be about 50 or 60 pages of just stories about Lloyd Chapman, the American Small Business League. And one morning I got up and I Googled my name and I was gone. There was no mention of me on the uh, internet at all. That happened in uh, June of 2013. And I got a letter from Business Wire, so they no longer run my press releases. I was a very popular in the Huffington Post. I used to talk to Ariana Huffington, you know, uh, uh, you know, when she was at home. I got a letter from the Huffington Post that I was dropped as a blogger. I was dropped as a blogger from all the uh, blogs I was blogging on. Uh, all my media appearances just stopped from one day to the next. So what the government does is they hire what's called a reputation management firm. So, for example, I think when BP, uh, when their oil well blew up in the Gulf Coast, they hired a big international reputation management firm to try to, you know, spin that and make it look like it wasn't as bad as it was. Harvey Weinstein hired a reputation management firm to try to um, uh, kill stories about him. And, uh, you know, they're, they're very good at what they do. They just pretty much, uh, you know, kind of shut me down. And I sponsor the Palm Springs International Documentary Film Festival. And every year I'd meet filmmakers from around the world and people would talk to me about making a documentary about me. I talked to Robert Redford's son, Jamie Redford, uh, about that. And he was very interested in that. And uh, when I would go back to the film festival every year, people would tell me, I've been trying to call you for a year. They say, I've called your office dozens of times and the phone just rings. And I discovered that they had somehow compromised my phone system. So when people tried to reach me, the phone just rang. And it was like, you know, like we had gone out of business, right? That happens uh, to this day. In fact, quite frankly, I was surprised that, that uh, this, this, your podcast went through. The last three podcasts I was supposed to do were canceled about two hours before they went through. Uh, back, I guess, uh, in the past, I would, I would go to San Francisco downtown to go do a, a spot for CNN or ABC or NBC. And about... 30 minutes before the, the interview, I would get a call that had been canceled. So the government does not want anyone, whether you're a, a, an activist for Black Lives Matter or small businesses or animal rights, if you're opposing anything that the federal government is doing or anything that Fortune 500 firms that work with the government are doing, they want to shut you up. In fact, I would advise your listeners to go watch some uh, documentaries on Amazon called Truth and Power. And there's 10 20-minute documentaries. And in those documentaries, it shows how um, any type of activist that's involved with the government where you're using the Freedom of Information Act or whatever, they want to shut you down. And that goes back, by the way, gosh, back into the 50s. I think on Netflix right now, there's two documentaries about uh, how the FBI hounded and harassed Martin Luther King. One's called MOK FBI. And um, there was a civil rights activist, um, Jean Seberg, and uh, they hounded her until she committed suicide. So there's a, a, a clear pattern out there of the government trying to silence whistleblowers. The Black Lives Matter movement is a, is a typical example. Um, anytime there's a Black Lives Matter uh, protest, the pro, or, or a, uh, yeah, a protest or rally, it's overflown by U.S. government predator drone with what's called a stingray, and they upload everyone's cell phones. Have you, have you heard about that at all? Have you seen that? I have not heard of that, but yeah. t- tell us about it so, so people know. Well, if, if, um, 
there's a device called a stingray, stingray, like, like a Corvette stingray, and it's used to upload all the data from your cell phone. Uh, in the documentary, the first one, I think, is about Black Lives Matter, uh, the Truth and Power documentaries. And in the documentary, it shows a black van uh, driving along next to the protesters, and they somehow were able to get the radio transmissions from the uh, police in the van to the headquarters talking about how they were downloading all the protesters' cell phone data and finding out you know, what they were going to do and where they're going to take the, the demonstration. Then it came out on national television, I'd say, six months ago. Then after the George Floyd murder, there was um, a big protest and how um, U.S. government predator drones overflew the protesters and with a sophisticated sting stingray device, uploaded all their cell phones. You can probably Google um, you know, Black Lives Matter, you know, Stingray, Predator Drones and see that story. But I, I saw it on CNN. But um, so, yeah, anytime anyone uh, is opposing the government, they they try to shut you up. My dad was in the CIA. And um, 50 years ago, I went to the kitchen. I was visiting them up in Warrington, Virginia. I went to the kitchen to get some water. And he was sitting at the kitchen table. He's very upset. And he started talking to me. And uh, the stuff he told me sounded so outrageous, I thought he had a stroke. <laughs> and he told me that um, anytime anyone sues the government, that they tapped their phone and uh, went through their mail. And that was half a century ago, he told me that. And of course, at that point in time, I was 21. I had no intention of you know suing the government. I, I, that's the furthest thing from my mind. But I, I think he was upset because he was a, um, oh, he was involved in, um, surveillance and um, designing equipment where um, uh, intelligence people could communicate and the Russians couldn't pick up the signals. And I think he might have been uh, forced to get involved in what I call, I'll call domestic surveillance. And I think it, it upset him, you know, because he was very upset that night. But um, yeah, he told me that half a century ago that if you sue the government, they tap your phone and monitor their mail. So you can imagine what they do, you know, these days, right, with with the internet and cell phones. Yeah, well, they just came out and said that that they could monitor people's text messages. So yeah, it's not a surprise. Yeah, well, that's what Edward Snowden, you know, exposed uh, the uh, you know mass you know uh, surveillance. A number of of um, government whistleblowers have have uh, talked about that. Um, yeah, Edward Snowden was one of them. Um, oh gosh, um, Thomas Drake and Thomas Tam were whistleblowers that uh, talked about that. But, um, yeah, so the, so the government's repercussions against me, I mean, I, I could talk about that for a week, all the things that have happened, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah. But it's, again, uh, it, it, it might sound Difficult to believe, but if you go to um, Amazon and watch uh, Truth and Power, there's also been documentaries out there on PBS called United States of Secrets. A film came out a few years ago called The War on Whistleblowers. You can also just Google The War on Whistleblowers or go to Wikipedia and um, search on whistleblowers. I've, I've got a, uh, uh, I printed out um, the stack the other day for another podcast. Uh, it's, it's a half inch thick of uh, whistleblowers. I'll tell you something fascinating that I learned. You know, when the uh, Whistleblower Protection Act was passed, 1777. I was completely stunned when I saw that. 1777, some um, revolutionary uh, officers 
reported that another officer was torturing British prisoners. And uh, that guy, you know, tried to sue the officers that were exposing him. And that's when um, Congress first passed the uh, first Whistleblower Protection Act was in 1777. Yeah, so yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, there's supposed to be laws in pace to protect, you know, whistleblowers, both uh, civilian people like me and people who work for the government. But if you go out and look at, um, you know, people that have done that, they, you know, bad things happen to them. <laughs> well, let me ask you, have you ever worked with Project Veritas or got any of your information to them? No, I've heard that name. I've heard that name. Um, uh, there's a there's a lot of organizations in Washington that are supposed to be sort of doing what I do. But again, after 33 years and 110 legal victories, no one has ever stepped forward to help me. No one. There are dozens of groups out there that, that claim to uh, represent small businesses. But if you go on the Internet and look at um, government small business contracting fraud or Fortune 500 firms getting federal small business contracts, you're just going to see me and the American small business. You won't see uh, any of the organizations that people think are there to help small businesses. Um, I, I was very disappointed, by the way, a number of times. And I met with people in Washington for different groups. Taking on the Pentagon is something nobody wants to do. Everybody's afraid of the Pentagon. I think, I think people in Congress are afraid of the Pentagon. And nobody wants to do that. Everybody's afraid of the Pentagon. But uh, I'm not. Like Joe Biden said, they got nuclear weapons. So you know how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you want an idea of the Pentagon's power, your listeners can Google 21 trillion missing from the Pentagon or 6.5 trillion missing from the Pentagon. I believe right now, the latest report that I saw, and I heard Joe Rogan talking about it, is it looks like over $21 trillion is missing from the Pentagon. They can't find it, can't account for it. And yet, uh, most of your listeners have never heard that. It wasn't on CNN. It wasn't on ABC or, you know, it wasn't in the New York Times or the Washington Post. That story was, you know, completely, uh, you know, covered up. But you can find it on the Internet. I remember the summer of 2016, the Inspector General for the Pentagon came out and said that the Pentagon could not account for $6.5 trillion. And you can go onto the Internet and search on um, – 2.3 trillion missing from the Pentagon. The day before 9-11, uh, Donald Rumsfeld gave a speech. And he said America's biggest enemy was not Russia or China or North Korea. It was a Pentagon bureaucracy. That's on my website, by the way. You go to ASBL.com and look on um, the uh, media page. It's under videos. And uh, you, you can listen to Donald Rumsfeld's speech the day, the day before 9-11 saying that the biggest threat to the lives of the people in the United States of America and men and women in uniform is the Pentagon bureaucracy and the 2.3 trillion was missing. And that number now is, is 10 times bigger than that. It's, it's, it's over 21 trillion, but um, yeah, the Pentagon's very powerful. Too bad. It, it's quite frankly, um, it's too bad that the very agency that's supposed to protect us, you know, according to Donald Rumsfeld might be potentially one of our biggest enemies. Well, let's talk about small businesses during, during the pandemic. Uh, what did you see and, and how did small businesses get affected over this past 18 months or 16 months? What I, what I saw was very typical, very typical. 
in that when the government passed the PPP program, the payroll protection program, I got phone calls from small businesses all across the country that couldn't get any money. And I sued the government and ultimately won. They forced to release the information to me. And most of the money went to some very, very big businesses. The largest recipient of, of the PPP program, the purpose of the PPP program was to give people loans and money so they wouldn't lay off their employees, right? The payroll protection plan. So it was to it was to basically subsidize small businesses that were struggling to to you know keep people employed, and yet the largest recipient of uh, the PPP money was a, uh, a billionaire that owned a chain of hotels around the country, and he laid off ninety five percent of his people, and he got thirty one thirty point one million dollars. So when you look at who got the money, oh gosh. Um, the, 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 the band, the Eagles got money. I think the LA Lakers got money, you know, just ridiculous stuff, you know, but unfortunately it didn't go to small businesses. And uh, I've seen it reported uh, on the national media that up to a third of all the small business in America are gone forever. And the area that I live in, I see that. So when I, when I drive down uh, the street, not too far from my house where most of the businesses are, I saw them, go out of business. Well, I saw them struggling. Then I saw them go out of business. And then I saw the, the um, business, the, uh, the building go up for lease. So think about this. During the pandemic, the United States government adopted policies where you couldn't shop at a small business, but you could shop at uh, Target and Walmart and, and Home Depot and Office Depot. Does that make any sense to you? No, you're, you're much exactly more likely what they done. Yeah. So if if you're trying to, let's just look at this logically. If you're trying to put as many small businesses out of business as possible, you want to take all the federal funds that's supposed to go to, to small businesses under the small business and give it to you know Fortune five hundred firms and their subsidiaries. And when the pandemic hit, you adopt the policy where it, you cannot go into a small business and, and, and buy anything, you've got to buy it from a Fortune 500 firm. And that, that killed you know, millions and millions of small businesses. But I was in um, Kmart during the pandemic and you know, it, was, it was packed. It was packed, right? Everyone had to, you were forced to go, to go there. I, I kind of don't think that was an accident. I, 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 I don't believe the government is that stupid. It had to be intentional, right? But um, uh, yeah, it just devastated uh, small businesses. And again, statistics are small businesses responsible for pretty much 100% of all the net new jobs, half the gross domestic product, half the private sector workforce, and most of the US exports. And this, our, our government's policies, I would describe them as anti-small business. And um, um, think about this. Again, 99% of all U.S. firms have less than 500 employees. 1% have over 500 employees. The agency that represents small businesses at the SBA, here's something that's going to shock people. The Small Business Administration has essentially been closed. They've cut the budget to the point that that agency you know, really can't operate any, any longer. Think about a federal agency that's in place to help over 30 million small businesses, and their budget is less than $1 billion a year. Now, you look at the agency to help big businesses, the 
and that agency's budget is ten billion. That's that's that kind of tells you how the government feels about small businesses, right? The agency to help the thirty million small businesses where most Americans work, the budget is less than a billion, and the agency to help Fortune five hundred firms that haven't created one job since nineteen eighty is ten billion a year. So, uh, uh, yeah, the federal government's policies towards small business during the pandemic were devastating, and. Um, I don't think I don't think we'll ever recover, quite frankly. I don't think this country will ever recover. Well, how do you feel like we can support small businesses despite the government's anti-small business policies? What's the biggest thing that we can do as a country to support small businesses? You know, if you're if you're gonna buy something, go buy from a small business. You know, don't go to Kmart or Target or or, or you know Walmart. Go to a small business and buy it from them. If if this country loses our small business economic base, I think our economy is going to collapse. I really do. Think about it. Uh, you know, let's just look at it logically. What do you think is going to happen in the next decade when the federal government is spending ninety seven percent of all of our tax dollars, yours and mine, with one percent of the companies that haven't created one job since nineteen eighty, and many of them pay no taxes? And they're, they're turning their back on the 99% of all American companies where most Americans work and all the jobs are created. I, I think that I just can't imagine that the economy c- can go on, quite frankly, much longer like that. We're also $28 trillion in debt, right? So America's $28 trillion in debt. We're spending 97% of all our tax dollars with less than 1% of U.S. firms that don't create jobs and many don't pay taxes. Some of the biggest corporations in the country don't pay taxes. You know, again, Google, you know, Fortune 500 that don't pay taxes. And there's just, you know, dozens and dozens of stories. So, um, yeah, buy from a small business. And, you know, I hate to say this um, because I'm kind of addicted to buying things online myself. Right. But, um, yeah, stop buying, you know, stop buying things online and, you know, get in your car, drive down the street and buy from a small business. I think I think um, banks and lending institutions should be more pro small business, more small business friendly. I think uh, if if I could talk to President Biden, I know that he wants to help the economy, and I would I would encourage President Biden to reopen the Small Business Administration. In the last oh I'll say 15, 20 years, they closed ninety percent of the offices around the country. You know, 20 years ago, there were SBA offices all around the country and in, in, you know, smaller cities. And I would reopen the SBA and I would take the budget from, you know, less than a billion. I would make it, quite frankly, if I were president, I would make it uh, 30 billion. You know, take 30 billion from the Pentagon. I saw they're going to spend 25 billion to put a woman on the moon. You know, once you take that 25 billion and uh, invest it in the small businesses where most Americans work. You know, we'll just pass on putting a woman on the moon, right? Yeah, it's 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 crazy when you think about it. Just look at the numbers, and it makes no sense. It's completely upside down, you know, the federal government is. But again, I've, I've lobbied Congress for 20 years. I, uh, I've been in every office in the House and the Senate. I've met, I think, almost every president, uh, you know, since Reagan. And um, I've been all around Washington. I've written legislation that was introduced into Congress three times. I wrote a bill called the Fairness and Transparency Contracting Act. And all it said was the government won't count contracts to Fortune 500 firms as small business contracts. It never made it out of committee. 
It was introduced three times by Congressman Hank Johnson, never made out of committee. And I, I would think that uh, 100% of Americans agree with me that Fortune 500 firms shouldn't get federal small business contracts, and yet you can't get a bill passed that would, that would uh, you know, make that uh, a law. But small businesses need, need our help. They're in trouble. They're in big trouble. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think that if, if President Biden doesn't do something, you know, I'll be very disappointed in him. If he doesn't do something about that, I'll be very disappointed. But we'll see. Do you have any upcoming projects that you're working on at the time that people need to know about? Well, I've got um, three lawsuits against the government right now. I'm getting ready to file a fourth one. I'm trying to prove that the government's cheating small businesses by uh, under the Freedom of Information Act against the um, Office of Management Budget, trying to get them to show me documents to show how much the government spends. I've uh, worked with Professor Charles Tiefer, who is probably the nation's leading expert on federal contracting law, and another expert, Ashok Mahan out of DC. He's got a company called FedMine. They both agree the government spends about 1.5 trillion a year. And that would mean that small business should be getting around 350 billion. But when you look at the press releases from the SBA, when they claim they hit that 23% goal, they're excluding about two thirds of all federal um, spending from that number. So I'm trying to um, force the uh, SBA and the Office of Management Budget to give me that data. I'm just trying to um, you know, do as much media as I can and try to get this message out there. You know, like I said, in 2013, uh, again, you go to my, you can, you can go to YouTube and search on Lloyd Chapman. And I used to be on every new, I've been on every national TV news program there is, I think I, I was on ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, Fox, Fox business. I was, you know, it was on international television. I was on RTTV, which was the second largest TV news uh, network in the world. And, um, that's all been shut down. And today I'm just trying to get on podcasts and radio shows and, and talk you know, about this and get, get it out there. I'm trying to get on the Joe Rogan show. I think if I could get on a, a, one, of, one of the bigger podcasts like that, that it might potentially um, lead to some uh, favorable federal policies that would save you know, millions of small businesses. I'll tell you something. Here, here's something uh, I'll throw out. Here's a project I'm working on. And again, tell me what you think about this. Based upon all the data I've gotten in 33 years of lawsuits, um, legal opinions from the nation's league experts on federal contracting, all like Professor Charles Tiefer, it looks like small businesses are getting 3% of all federal contracts, not 23. So they're, they're 20% short. A few years ago, the Senate Small Business Committee conducted a study that said for every 1% contracts to small businesses went up, it created 100,000 net new jobs a year. So when you look at the data that shows that small businesses are getting cheated out of 20% or they're 20% short, if the government gives small businesses 20%, according to the study from the Senate, that would create 2 million new jobs a year. The United States of America is only claiming to be creating about 2.5 million jobs a year. So if I could prevail and get them to give small businesses the full 23%, that would be an 80% increase in jobs for this country. Now, here's, the, here's something that I didn't know until a couple of years ago. When you look at the stock market and world markets, 
they rise and fall based upon the monthly jobs report out of the Labor Department. So uh, the the uh, stock market here in America and uh, world markets around the world look at the monthly jobs report as a indication of the strength of the U.S. economy. So if they're projected to create 250,000 jobs, for example, in you know July, and they only do 200, well, the stock market goes down. I remember walking by a newspaper stand one day, and I saw that the um, Federal Reserve policy is based on the jobs report. So if if the stock market and world markets rise and fall based upon a you know five to ten percent fluctuation in the jobs report, think what would happen if it went up eighty percent. I think that could potentially prompt a worldwide economic boom. You know, so if the jobs report um, is down, the stock market drops. If it's better than expected, it goes up. Think what it'd be like if it went up 80%. So I think, I think I've got uh, a solution to saving the U.S. economy. Just just quit cheating small businesses. Do what, do what the law that was passed during a Dwight Eisenhower's presidency says and give small businesses 23% of all federal contracts. And that's what I call deficit neutral, no new spending, no new taxes, and double the number of net new jobs in, in America. Uh, that's that's the main project I'm working on is trying to get that message out. And I think that's a great message. Go ahead and throw out your contact information so people can contact you. All right. Um, my website is ASBL.com. And I've got LloydChapman.net uh, and LloydChapman.com. And you can go on YouTube and uh, search my name and see all my media appearances. And I would encourage your listeners to... Um, I'm going to, uh, this will be the third time I've said it, realize the Small Business Act is the largest economic stimulus program for the American people in history. And, you know, write your congressman, you know, call your congressman and uh, tell them that you'd like them to uh, reopen the Small Business Administration and um, uh, end the fraud and abuse in federal small business programs and um, give our nation's small businesses the money that the law says they should get and if enough people get together and do that, you know, it might make a difference. You know, it could help. Are you on social media? Yeah, yeah. I have to say I, I do a little social media. Uh, my office uh, people do that. But I'm mainly, quite frankly, my time is occupied with my um, my lawsuits and talking to lawyers and working with all that stuff. There's That's a that's something that I got to work on on a daily basis. I'm really proud. I'll tell you something I'm proud of. Uh, Federal District Court Judge William Alsop, in one of my most recent cases, described me as being in a David and Goliath battle against big government, big business. And he accused the government in that case of suppressing evidence and covering up evidence. Um, I'm really uh, happy. Here's something he said. This is a direct quote from a transcript. So be more like a David and Goliath. You get to come in there and be the underdog again against a big company, against a big business. And talking about the government, they're trying to suppress the evidence, right? And that's one of the most famous federal judges in the country, Judge William Alsop. Uh, he's the one that struck down um, Trump's uh, program against dreamers. Here's something else he said. I like this. The purpose of the Freedom of, Inf- Inf- excuse me, the purpose of the Freedom of Information Act is so the public can see how government works. Congress passed this law to make small businesses have access to some of these projects and here's the United States covering it up. So one of the most preeminent uh, federal judges um, has described me as being a David Goliath Bellingham's big, big business and accused the federal government 
of suppressing evidence or covering up evidence and trying to cover up uh, evidence in this program. That's, I consider that one of my proudest accomplishments, by the way, to have that judge say that. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, people, you know, go to the website and look at it and watch some of my uh, TV appearances. And, and uh, people should take uh, your podcast and, and send it out to everybody they know. You know, that'll help. And um, yeah, send that to all your friends on Facebook. Absolutely. And Lloyd Chapman, I would like to take this time to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join me today. Well, thank you so much. Again, I'm very uh, honored to be on your show. You're doing a, a lot of good work, and I'm, I'm so glad that you will allow me to come on your show and tell my little story. Well, listeners, as Lloyd said, please be sure to share, follow, rate, and review after listening. And for you Android users, go to the Google Play Store and download the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast app. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream. dream.